I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. People are getting the hint. Talking to a mental health professional, going to therapy can be incredibly useful. Therapy can be a positive force in anyone's life, just like going to a medical doctor, dentist, or hey, even meeting with a teacher to expand your knowledge. We meet with our therapist to expand our mind. But now that people are more open to therapy, you all have some more specific questions that needs answering. What are we supposed to do in therapy? Do I have to take medication? How long does it take for psychotherapy to work? How frequently do I have to go? In today's show, I'm partnering up with licensed clinical social worker, psychotherapist, and my spouse, Alex Honigman, to answer all of these questions about therapy. We'll be giving you specific tips to find the right therapist for you, what to expect, and what should not be happening. Welcome to Wit and Reason, hosted by psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. Dr. Moreno brings her expertise to providing smart and practical explanations on human behavior by interviewing diverse health experts regarding today's ever-evolving life and culture. Listen as Dr. Moreno answers questions by D.C. residents on everything from love to hardships, turning social science and research into relatable, accessible, and useful information you can use. Listen now as Dr. Moreno brings a little bit of positive mental health to your day. So when I got asked the classic question, what do you do? I answered, I'm a therapist. And a person's response typically was like, oh, massage therapist? Um, nope. <laughs> Physical therapist? Nope. Mm-mm. Therapist. And then I, I, I'd say psychotherapist because that's technically what the term is. But yeah. people don't really like that. Is, is that 
a common experience that you had when you would tell people that that you're a therapist? Yeah, well, and then they the the psych part makes them think of psychiatry, so they think I'm a right. medical doctor as well, mm-hmm. and so then that gets creates some confusion. Uh-huh. So, um, psychotherapist is typically what I'll say because do, it's. Do people know easier? what that is when you tell them psychotherapist? Uh, I'd say about fifty-fifty. Yeah, yeah. I, I started saying when I was doing therapy, I, w- I would say like a mental health therapist. People mm-hmm. know the term mental health. Definitely, I, I, I typically will say, or, or I'll say, behavioral health or mental health professional. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever get the the massage therapist? Yes. You did. Yes. Okay. I thought it was just me. No. Okay. Or physical therapist. Oh, what type of therapy? Physical therapy, massage. Yeah. Th- yeah no. They they run through the list, and you're like, no, like. But it's like mental health is like therapy. on the on the bottom of like people's mind of what like therapy is. I don't know if to take it as like an insult. Like they don't expect me to be doing. Mental I know. That's what I was wondering too. I was like, hey. I could be I could be a psychologist. I could be a doctor. Um, all right. So now the term psycho for psychotherapy, um, people kind of cringe away from that because even and I and I googled it too. I was like, okay, what comes up when I look up psycho? And the first thing that comes up is the informal definition of psycho, which is short for psychopath. Or well, like the movie. Yeah. So like, you know, Alfred Hitchcock movie and uh-huh. Psycho and. All those other things and all the terms we think of for yes. psycho. When I first looked up psycho, all those crazy movies came out. And then when I was like, no, 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 psycho definition, then I was like, here's the informal definition. It means psychopath. And that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about psychotherapy. We're using the Greek term of psycho, which actually means breath, soul, mind, right? Nice. So your mind therapy, maybe that's what we should recall it. We need to rebrand it, maybe. <laughs> Give it a rebrand new label. All of mental health. A, yeah, rebrand it. Yeah. Um, so other terms for it, people call it talk therapy, mm-hmm. um, which I think kind of like minimizes it, minimizes it a bit because we're not just like talking. And hopefully, it's just not me talking back and forth with someone. Yeah, this is deeper than your typical conversation you have out with your besties over brunch. Yeah, it shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. It sh- shouldn't be that. Yeah, should it include eggs or or alcohol <laughs> or I mean, just a friendly conversation? This is sounds like, some like delicious deep work. therapy that will not be effective. Oh, delicious. <laughs> um, other people call it counseling, but there's a difference between um, psychotherapy with um, with a clinician and versus a counselor. Yeah, yeah. and and the, my problem with the word counselor is it's not a protected title, mm-hmm. so it. Typically, a lot of people can call themselves a counselor, and you're not sure where that's coming from. Yeah, what their um, education even is or the training. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But even as a licensed clinical social worker, it didn't actually have title protection before. So when I tell people I'm a clinical social worker, they think I'm working for a Department of Child and Family Service mm-hmm. or Child Protective Services, and I'm going to take your children. Right. And that's the immediate assumption. But even then, traditionally, social workers in that capacity, it wasn't title protected. They didn't have a degree or master's in social work. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them did, mm-hmm. but not all of them. And it was not something that was protected that way. So right. even when I say counselor, even clinical social worker, um, it, it's still confounds people. Yeah. And even between, you know, D.C. versus Maryland versus uh, uh, Virginia, there's even different licensing credentials and the, the, right. the acronyms are different. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> that, that's very true. So it does get very complex. So it makes sense why the general public would be confused about it because even within our industry or field. It, it's a lot of alphabet soup. Yeah, yeah. it really is. There, there's a lot going on there. So um, more people are 
open to going to therapy, but there's still a lot of confusion out there. So let's go ahead and break it down. What is psychotherapy? Or as we said, mind therapy. Mind therapy. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, psychotherapy, uh, it, it is talk therapy, mm -hmm. and, and we do talk. Yeah. It does go, there is a, a dialogue, something that goes back and forth. Mm -hmm. uh, but it also, it's such an expansive term. It's kind of a loaded question because yeah. there's so many different ways in which we engage in therapy, types of therapy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's very difficult to kind of pin down to yeah. one thing. Yeah, and we're going to break down all the different types of therapy as well. But when we're talking about psychotherapy or talk therapy, it's a way to help people with a broad variety of either mental illnesses or emotional difficulties. And psychotherapy can help eliminate or control things that people are struggling with, whether it's um, just daily coping, you know, with stressors or responsibilities, um, whether that's parenting or in the workplace or um, interpersonal stuff, social stuff, you know, with friends um, or family. You know, it doesn't have to be um, just for people who are struggling with severe mental illness, where we're talking more about like psychosis or experiencing hallucinations or paranoia. Yeah. Um, psychotherapy, it's a big, wide variety. There are a lot of situational stressors that a couple of sessions of therapy, and I mean a couple, mm -hmm. really could be useful just to give you some objectivity and perspective. And the yeah. way I kind of think about therapy is... Uh, they used to use the term alienist. And I really like that term. You're alien to a situation. Mm -hmm. So you are objective to whatever's going on in someone else's life. Yeah. And sometimes that's what we need. We need a sounding board. We need some objectivity and someone to assist us to navigate that path. Mm -hmm. They're not going to navigate it for us. Right. But they're going to assist us in navigating it. Or they're, they're not supposed to. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk more about what should not be happening in therapy yeah. as well. Um, so... The problems helped by psychotherapy include difficulties with coping with daily life, and that could just be anything that we're expected to do in our daily life, which is mm -hmm. just so much. Um, the impact of trauma, medical illnesses as well. People forget about that piece. They'll go to the doctor for medical treatment, but not deal with the psychological impact of getting some kind of um, medical diagnosis. Yeah. Um, if, you're if you've experienced loss, um, like the death of a loved one, and then of course, any specific mental, uh, mental health disorders like depression or anxiety, there's some common ones. Yep. Now, what about the therapy sessions? What, what goes on in there? Yeah, that's, <laughs> a, that, that's a great question. Yeah. And I get that every now and then. Um, and it's usually people who have either tried it out a couple of different times and it they didn't like it, uh -huh. or people who are like on the edge of going, but they're not sure. And, uh, you know, typically sessions uh, with me are, it's a, industry standard, I'd say, is a 50 minute hour, mm -hmm. uh, but anywhere from 30 to 50 minutes makes sense. Yeah. Uh, some people just need check ins. That's a 30 minute process, if, depending on what type of therapy you're doing. Uh, other people, like a good 45 minute session, just working together in something mm -hmm. is, is kind of a regular. Yeah. I have friends that were like, um, my therapist kicked me out of the office. I'm sure that's kind of exaggerating, but kicked me out of the office like after 50 minutes and I, I paid for a whole hour. What's that about? And so I have to explain that the therapeutic hour, I'm using air quotes here, mm -hmm. is 50 and it their work as a therapist doesn't end there. After you leave the office, that last 10 minutes of the hour is them kind of reflecting on what happened in the session, um, potentially taking treatment or progress notes on what's going on to make sure that they're well-prepared and informed 
for your next session. Yeah, your therapy notes are really, really, really important. Yeah. Um, you know, and they go through and they actually write up for assessment and planning for the next session. So even when you're leaving, that last 10 minutes is spent thinking just about you mm-hmm. and how to help you best. Yeah. And what needs to happen in the next session um, to get you to where you would like to go. Right. What, whatever goals you're trying to achieve. Those t- that time is focused back on you. So it's it's not wasted, we mm-hmm. promise. It, it goes back to really writing and thinking about your progress and treatment and what to do to help you the best. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's at the very least 10 minutes. Uh, in addition to that, your therapist will probably be doing um, some kind of group consultation or peer consultation with other therapists. Um, they won't be identifying who you are, but for many of their cases, they'll talk about like, um, you know, what is going on um, in their sessions and if there's any barriers, what do they need to do in order to move um, their clients along and in, in their treatment goals? Yeah, you know? yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's a formalized part of the process. Right. And you don't always need consultation, but you're always going to be uh, checking yourself with, uh, mm-hmm. as a therapist, checking yourself with others just to kind of review and, and really consider the work. Mm-hmm. And to make sure that you are staying objective. And that's what makes... Psychotherapy, very different than a casual conversation or even a deep conversation that you'll have with your bestie, right? Because it's probably not the case that your best friend after your brunch conversation is going home and like writing notes about what you guys discussed and how that's going to impact your treatment process. And, and reviewing different types of treatment. They're like, oh, wait, maybe I, they don't sit around and think about how best I give you, um, and therapists don't give advice, but how yeah. best to give you advice. Your friend doesn't sit around and research like how best to do that. Yeah, how can I guide them to like accomplish these goals that they have set for themselves or alleviate this pain <laughs> that they're experiencing? Yeah, we, um, as friends, we usually give opinions. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they may not necessarily be... Um, objective. Yeah. Right. Okay. So the therapy session, we talked about the time. Now, what about like how many sessions a person needs? One of the things that concerns me is that I hear people talking about going to therapy for years, like consistently, like every week for years. And that kind of, you know, that raises a red flag for me in, in many cases, if, if the case that they're discussing isn't really severe. Yeah. And I, I do have some difficulty with that. Uh, And and there are modalities that say that like to work with that. Mm -hmm. Um, there are different ways, different approaches to therapy in which they do shoot for the long term, and they meet for extensive periods of time and they meet for years. And I I feel like that's more the self-exploratory work. Mm -hmm. That's the, the analysis work. Mm -hmm. Um, but typically when people are coming in for anxiety, I don't want them to still have anxiety in a year. Right. I mean, if they're coming in with very specific critical problems, then you want to alleviate those as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. and and you know that frequency uh, and duration really should the driver should be the clinician. Mm-hmm. Um, it really should be the the therapist who's saying, "Hey, look, this is how often we're going to meet. This is what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what you need to do in term. Yeah, uh, in between sessions. And you're you're collaborating with your therapist, but but really. It's the therapist's role to understand that termination or ending therapy begins from session one. Yeah, and they say, I feel like we get trained and we say that a lot, but I feel like a lot of people don't know what that translates to when in in a session and and to communicate that to a patient Mm -hmm. is really important. Yeah. Um, To go, hey, like, 
you know, here's what I'm looking at. I'm, I'm thinking with uh, with your current problem and what's going on. Let's have this many sessions, mm-hmm. you know, like eight sessions, and we'll work through A, B, and C together. This is the goals you presented with. Mm-hmm. This is what the treatment plan will look like, and this is kind of what and uh, eventually what we'll get to just to work on whatever goal you're presenting with, not what I think you should do, but what you want to do. Right. And all of those goals are are identified both between the clinician and and the client or patient. Mm-hmm. Now, you're mentioning patient. So we use those terms um, interchangeably. Yeah. You're coming from, you do a lot of work through a medical provider. And so when you're working in like a medical system or a hospital system, they'll typically use the term patient. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you're working with a clinician who um, is doing like outpatient or private practice, they'll typically refer to the person receiving treatment as a client. Yeah, and um, and I mean, I've heard them even be referred to as consumer, mm-hmm. uh, depending on that, or uh, individual, individual in care. Yeah. Individuals <laughs> in care or individuals. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different terms that you can use. I think that really is dictated by the setting you're in at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, whether it's a patient, and I, I feel like patient gives a severity yeah. uh, that makes people feel a little uh, ill at ease. Mm-hmm. But I actually think it's it's appropriate because a patient uh, with a medical doctor, yeah. you, you're not on antibiotics forever. Right. You know, you have a course of antibiotics. You should finish those those pills and mm-hmm. finish what you're exactly what you're doing the way the doctor prescribed and move on. And how many people have one left in the bottle? Yeah. You know, and I think that that actually dictates a lot of that. Right. Um, we really need to make sure that people are achieving those things and therapy shouldn't be uh, any less accountable for that. Right, exactly. And just like you would with your medical provider, you go in for your yearly checkup perhaps, you mm-hmm. know, or you go in for follow-up or, hey, you have this like weird cough or cold or something like that. You go in for that. So same thing with psychotherapy. Um Let's say you go ahead and you terminate your sessions um, with your therapist, but you're very much welcome to come back um, and check in either as something that you guys agree upon or if some other thing goes on in your life, you know, some life-altering thing, like maybe you lose a job or um, you experience a a death or... Some other type of trauma. Yeah, and increased work pressures or a breakup, you know, then you could very much go back in for a booster session or yeah or- I, and I like the idea of a booster session or like a check-in yeah um I have uh clients all the time contact me like six months after we're done with therapy and be like hey just wanted to check in and we'll, we'll do a phone consult like we'll just talk over the phone yeah check in real quick see how they're doing they're, they have some concerns and like it that we want to check them out and see if they're on the right path and of course they are they're a little anxious because they're on their own doing their own thing but yeah they do great. And so we do a couple of different check-ins mm-hmm. or I'll hear from them maybe once a year. And that's great. They're doing fantastic. You don't need to spend time with me. Go spend time with other people in your life, the other people, the support system you've created. Uh, go and live. Exactly. And it's, it's not on my couch. Life happens outside of my couch. Exactly. So psychotherapy can be short-term, just a few sessions, um, dealing with immediate issues, or it could be long-term, meaning months or years if you're dealing with long-standing and complex issues, especially if there's like a bunch of like long-term historic complex trauma that you're trying to work through. You yeah, know, that lots of longer. family dynamic, a mm-hmm. lot of family dynamic. If there's uh, any abuse in the household, things like that growing up. Right. We adapt those behaviors very quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that, that means that in our present day, it's affecting our present day with new people. Right. Whether we want to or not. Yeah, it, kind of, it, it will show up in other areas of your life. So, But therapy doesn't necessarily have to be long-term. And even if you are going long-term, it doesn't necessarily mean you're meeting once or twice a week, every single week, it um, very much can also start tapering off 
too. Definitely. Where you're just checking in um, once every other week. Or then once a month. Once a month, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be all life-consuming. And especially, um, I always think of things like anxiety. Yeah. Uh, You're not going to have the same amount of anxiety every day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stressors come up. I mean, life happens organically. You don't want to manufacture that. So if you know that there's a session next week, are you then manufacturing that thing? Right. You know, like if you're waiting to, are you waiting to uh, vent mm-hmm. to your therapist? And it's not a venting session. That's also something that's a misperception. Right. Uh, it's not to vent. You're not supposed to bottle it up and let it all out there. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be that daily check-in and release with, you know, with whatever skill you're working on in therapy. Yeah. And so to kind of create that idea that that anxiety is then alleviated every single week that way doesn't work either. Mm-hmm. And so... And that is where your friends come in. Yes. Your friends and loved ones and family members. They exactly. Vent to them as you would per usual. Use your support systems. Mm-hmm. Um, don't need to bottle it up and wait till your therapy session to resolve those things. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a psychologist I like that says yeah. uh, therapy, therapists are an artificial support. Right. Um, and, I, you know, his evidence shows that in his work, he shows that, but it's an artificial support. You're there, we're there at your choice. Mm-hmm. You know, you've ostensibly paid us to be there. Yeah. Um, and that, you don't pay friends to be there. Mm-hmm. Your friends are there. And so building that support system outside of that is really important. Yeah. So your your relationship with your therapist and using therapy um does not want it, you don't necessarily want that to to take over your entire life and and all of your coping skills. This is just exactly one area that you're using for a short period in your life, ideally, um, and shouldn't be your one and only go to. Right? Exactly, exactly, and that's that's going to be part of the conversation in therapy too um, about okay, so how can you handle this? outside of therapy? Mm-hmm. Who can you go to? Who else can you talk to? What other relationships can you start working on and building? And and, and sometimes they come back with, uh, well, I don't have anyone else in my life I can talk to like this. I was like, that's a goal for therapy then. Mm-hmm. We're going to build some of those support systems. We're going to build relationships. Right. And so let's work on that as a part of our goal mm-hmm. because that sounds like a goal to me. It doesn't sound like, you know, manufacturing this relationship. I mean, granted, I care for all of my patients and people I see. Yeah. Uh, it's still a manufactured relationship. It wouldn't have happened organically on the street. I'm not mm-hmm. their friend that way. Uh-huh. And so, you know, it, it's important to kind of make sure that you keep that as, if that's an issue, bring it in as part of a goal. That's right. Okay, and another very special thing about uh, therapy sessions is confidentiality. Mm-hmm. It's a basic requirement of psychotherapy, and that's what makes it so special. Uh in comparison to any other kind of relationship that you have. Um, therapy is a place where patients or clients can share their personal feelings, thoughts, intimate um, intimate ideas or, or struggles that they're having with another human being in a really safe space. Yeah. So that's another very special thing um, about like, the process. I like the word the safe space has come into more of our, our, our language mm-hmm. at this time, and I think that's a really important important uh, distinction it is a safe space yeah uh there's no judgment there uh it it, it is what it is mm-hmm. or you're there coming there for a, judgment there. yeah, yeah. You're, you're, and i'm 
hoping, idealizing what yeah. it should be. You know, you show up there and there shouldn't be judgment there. Right. Uh, people come in for all sorts of issues. Where We've heard it all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there, people, there's a lot of guilt and shame that people are working through, which yeah. is actually compounding the problem. Right. So by actually discussing these things and telling your truth, whatever that may be, it really assists you in healing the healing process. Mm-hmm. And that could be all sorts of addiction. There's lots of uh, sex and love addiction talk and things like that. Mm-hmm. And people don't know what to do or there's guilt and shame around those things mm-hmm. um, or some other type of addiction or yeah. some other type of behavior they're trying to to uh, solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had people come in going, I can't stop stealing things. Yeah. And they're little things and they don't know why they're doing it. And we mm-hmm. walk through what that process is. But that shame and the guilt, I'm usually the first person they're telling about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you yeah. know, that's part of the problem. Or even and the so, shame and guilt associated with uh, with trauma or sexual abuse or exactly. violence. I mean, um, so this is a place where this is a very unique space where people can go and talk about those things. Um, and there are limitations to confidentiality, yep. which your therapist should be discussing with you from the very beginning and maybe throughout um, therapy. And it's very specific. Okay, so you want to you want to share it with us, Alex? Uh, well. I mean, limitations to confidentiality. Limitations. So if you are a danger to yourself, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a thing. If you're going to hurt yourself and you tell me that you're going to hurt yourself and you tell me how and, and those different ways, that's going to be a significant concern. I'm going to make sure that you get the help that you need right away mm-hmm. because there's only so much I can do to guarantee your safety, but at your safety is number one yep. because I can't treat you if you hurt yourself that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and... and what are we left with, you know, and that and that's the thing. And and when we're in it, it's harder to see objectively uh, as a person that yeah. you need the help that you need. And so your therapist will get you help at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where you're going to break that confidentiality to do that. Now, if you're also going to hurt somebody else, that's yeah. also a big issue. So I can't have you going off to go hurt somebody else. That's a problem. So danger to self, danger to others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then abuse. Abuse. Uh, yeah. Child, uh, child abuse or elderly or dependent abuse. Yep. Um, and that would be physical or sexual abuse or neglect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that gets kind of tricky, especially like culturally speaking, because um, some some cultures don't perceive like hitting a child as child abuse. So it's really important that if um, a therapist is working with um, their a patient or client who's a child or a parent, um, that they're very clear about, you know, what do we mean when we're talking about child abuse? And I think that uh, changes from state to state. There are different laws in our in our mm-hmm. uh, DMV area. So that yeah. you have to really consider those things as well. And sometimes, you know, we're told as therapists that we have to report these things. If when we hear them and they will then investigate. Mm-hmm. Now that level of investigation has to do with the specific people we're reporting to. So I... We're required by law to, just like you'd be uh, required by law to, I don't know, various things that you're supposed to do in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And, same, and um, you know, teachers have same requirements Mandated like that. reporting, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, police officers, I think maybe even first responders, lawyers, yeah. so it's I like, don't know. Uh, lawyers have confidentiality. Uh, okay. So, I mean, but that, the thing is, like, we're not trying to be sneaky about it. We're going to let you know from the very beginning and throughout. And even if we start hearing a conversation kind of go in that direction, we're going to walk you through the process. And um, in an ideal situation, we'll be able to say, like, hey, you know, you mentioned that you are thinking about um, cutting or ending your life. You know, I want to make sure that you're safe. 
um, let's get these other people involved mm-hmm. to make sure that that yeah. you're that you're okay and you're protected. And that could be anything from bringing in a family member or trusted loved one, or um, taking some time to be in a safe place at a at a hospital setting. Yeah, you know. I mean, so and it, it can run the gamut. It can run the gamut because if you can commit to a safety plan and I can walk through a safety plan with you, that that's that's what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And we'll do a check in. We'll go through, and I'll be in contact with you more regularly, and we go from there. Right. And again, the whole reason for that piece is safety. We want to make sure you and everyone else around us are safe. Okay, so um, now there's different types of therapies that people don't really realize. Um, Different types of modalities. There's different types of psychotherapy and some work better with certain issues and some work better with certain personalities or or clients that they're working with, you know? Um, And so each modality is going to use different techniques or or focus on different outcomes. Um, And so some of the popular ones are cognitive behavioral therapy. CBT. Yeah. So you've probably heard that one before. This one centers around identifying and challenging cognitive distortions or screwed up thinking uh, and irrational (laughs) thought patterns. Um, another, These are all normal. Yes, all, all normal. All we, normal. All, we all have it. Our, yes. our mind Everybody. can be a hot mess. <laughs> and so we, need to work, we all need to work it out. Um, yeah. Another uh, old school uh, but still popular one is um, psychodynamic therapy, which aims to identify unconscious conflicts or repressed memories that may be contributing to real world challenges. So yeah. like we said, the stuff that, you know, has happened in our past definitely flares up in our, in our current situation. Yeah. So it, it, each modality kind of looks at a different approach to how to work through an issue. Mm-hmm. So in, in psychodynamic, you're kind of digging through some of those, those histories in uh, CBT, how, you know, you're in the here and now because you're doing the, what is your current thought and right. how does that then affect your behavior? So you can see how the approach would then lend itself to different types of intervention for each one mm-hmm. too. So yeah, yeah, you have a very different style for each. Absolutely. And you know, these are just like some of the two most popular ones. There's a whole bunch of them. Let me just let me just tell you a, a bit about the other ones that we have. Yeah. There's also humanistic family therapy, feminist therapies that people don't even realize. You know, it just keeps on and within each cluster, it breaks down even more to mm-hmm. a bunch of different types of therapies. So something to look into and to learn more about and maybe even talk to your therapist about what is so one of the questions you would ask them is like what is your treatment style modality or therapeutic orientation now does psychotherapy work absolutely (laughs) research shows that most people who receive psychotherapy experience symptoms relief and are are uh, better able to function in their lives now about 75 percent of people who enter psychotherapy show some benefit from it so there's going to be that very small percentage that like already just we're just really tightly closed in and not even really participating or engaging or making any health changes. And you know what? It's not going to work. It depends mm-hmm. on how much you put into it. Yeah, you got to be open to treatment. Yes, absolutely. All right. So hopefully that was very helpful. Um, getting started with therapy can be intimidating and tricky, you know, because you have to kind of navigate this. And it does take some trial and error to figure out which therapist is working best for you. You can put all of these tips and activities into action today. Visit witandreason.com to see our mental health tips and what to watch out for um, when you're going through a therapy session. You could also contact me, Dr. Alexis Moreno, and licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist Alex Honigman. Did you hear something on the show today that you relate to on a personal level? 
share your story. Send us your recording on witandreason.com and we may be able to post it on our What's Therapy show page to help others navigate mental health treatment. A special thank you to DC Radio. And of course, thank you all for listening. Stay posted on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Wit and Reason and DC Radio for our next show. I'm Dr. Alexis Moreno. Let's keep the conversation going. You've been listening to Wit and Reason with psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. For more information, visit witandreason.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.